Good morning, church. I don't know if many of you, I think most of you know who I am, but perhaps some of you don't. So just a quick biographical background info on myself. I did not grow up in the church. I did not grow up really in a Christian home. I was brought to the church by a co-worker of mine. Uh, His name was David Harrington, and right before my 17th birthday, I had been going to church with him for a few weeks. I asked him, I I said, I think I want to be baptized. I wasn't quite sure all of the scripture that talked about baptism. So he said, well, let's study about that. So I went over to his house, and we looked at the scriptures, and sure enough, if I didn't already want to be baptized, I for sure wanted to be baptized after he showed me, yeah, this is... How you become a Christian. This is when you get all your sins washed away. And I remember the day, August 2nd, 2003, where David and I and his dad Jerry came up to the building and Saturday afternoon and he, he baptized me. And that's when I started coming to Northside and uh, it's, been a, it's been an incredible journey ever since. And so I have a, a special heart for those who want to invite people to church, who want to study the Bible with people, who want to take them in and make them a part of their own family, a part of the church family. And I know the Harrington Harrington family did that for me. So that's my background. That's where I'm coming from. But the work that I do now, the work that Northside supports, is the work of spreading and teaching God's Word in St. Paul, Minnesota. The work that we've been striving towards for the past year and a half. So I just want to give you an update on what it's like to be a missionary in Minnesota. What what does it look like for someone to go and and try to plant a new congregation in in an area in which there are not many congregations around? Well, let's just get it out of the way. Yes, yes, it is very, very cold. Very cold. Yes, my eyelashes are frozen. And there are icicles from them. Yes, I I have a machine that's like mowing your grass but for snow. And that's how I get out of my driveway. It's a very cold place, but I believe it's a place with great opportunity. And a lot of the work we do is trying to be directly involved in evangelism, directly involved with sharing the gospel with people. Now, when I first got to Minnesota, it was during winter time. It was uh, not last winter, but the winter before. And that was one of the worst winters we had had on record in Minnesota. And uh, I wasn't really aware of how often people go outside or walk the streets. And so it's January, and I, I put on my layers and I go walking out and I say, I'm going to meet people today. It was only negative 17. And so I went up and down the streets looking for people to meet. And sure enough, there's not really anyone who goes outside when it's negative 17. <laughs> so I had to figure out, okay, what's another way during winter time that I could meet people and share the Bible with them, see if they want to study. So the first thing I tried was I put an ad on Craigslist, and I just put an ad for free Bible studies. I told them who I, who I was, and, you know, we could study about anything. 
So I waited, and uh, the first response that I got to that ad was uh, was somebody playing a joke on me. Uh, he was, uh, I think it was a college student saying that uh, they wanted me to come sprinkle their dorm room with uh, holy water and crucifixes. And so I, I just said, well, uh, those, things, those things don't have any power. They, uh, they're not in the Bible, and so I don't have those things. But I can study the Bible with you. They said, well... You can't trust the Bible because it's been translated so many times. You don't even know what it really says originally. And so I message back with them. I say, oh, no, um, our translation is based off of the oldest and most reliable Hebrew and Greek manuscripts. We can take a look at those. We can study. We can talk about it. And then they stop messaging me. So <laughs> I thought maybe perhaps this isn't going to work out. But a week after that, I got a, a text message at 2 in the morning from someone saying, I can't wait to study the Bible with you. So I'm like, who is this? Come on, this is real. And so I, I said, okay, let's, uh, let's meet, let's go to this coffee shop, we'll get to know each other, study the Bible. Well, that day I met someone named Zane. Now it's a funny story, because Zane is a girl, and I thought Zane was supposed to be a guy. And so when I walked into the coffee shop, I turned the corner, and there, sure enough, was a guy there, looked like a Zane. He had his Bible out, he had notes out, he was reading the scriptures out loud. I was like, there he is. I walked up to, to Z- he wasn't Zane, but I walked up to him, I said, you must be Zane, I'm Alex. He would have thought I, I pointed a gun at him or something. He said, no, it's not me, I'm not Zane. I was like, okay. And so I, I turned around, and I was like, well, hmm. And then this tall African woman walks up to me and says, Hi, I'm Zane. You must be Alex. And in my mind, I was like, Oh, you're a girl. And <laughs> I didn't, didn't know uh, if I was breaking the rules or anything, and Aaron wasn't there. I didn't, but it worked out. So I started studying with Zane, and as I got to know Zane, uh, she told me a little bit about her story. Everybody has a story. That's one of the most... Uh, rewarding things about this kind of work is you get to hear people's stories, you get their their background. Well, Zane has a, a very interesting story. She grew up in Sierra Leone, Africa, and she grew up uh, in a during wartime, during Civil War, and she had some pretty traumatic things happen to her and tried to uh, get out of the country several times. And finally, she was given refugee status and came to America about a little over ten years ago. And she's had all kinds of religious influences. In Africa, I mean, voodoo and black magic are everywhere. Uh, Her parents have a a Muslim background. Her aunt was a Jehovah's Witness. She went to a Catholic all-girls school growing up. And so she has a lot of different uh, things going on that she's been exposed to. Well, when I met her, I didn't know this till later, but when I met her, she was in a very uh, distraught state of mind. She told me that there was one night where she was praying to God for hours on end, crying to God, saying, I'm, I'm confused, I don't know what's real anymore, I don't know what's true anymore, and I don't think I can do anything about it. You're going to have to send somebody to me because I can't do it. After she prayed that prayer, she got on Craigslist to look on for a math tutor because she's in a nursing program, and the first ad she saw was an ad for free Bible studies. That's, she was so excited that she had to text me at 2 in the morning saying, I can't wait to study the Bible with you. 
Well, we studied the Bible with Zane for several months, and last year she was baptized into Christ for the remission of her sins to be clothed with Christ. And we still study with her today, and that's her and her little girl, Amarachi, and they're sitting in our living room. This is taken at one of our Sunday services. I'll tell you more about how we go about our assembly later. But I, I like Zane's story because it humbles me. It makes me realize that a lot of what I do doesn't depend on my training necessarily or how much knowledge I have, but it really depends on the divine working and providence of God. I sincerely believe God leads certain people to certain people. I think God brings certain people in your lives for a specific reason, because there's something about your background, there's something about your skill set and the way you think about things that I think will most powerfully impact that person's life that could bring them to salvation. This is a guy named Aaron. I studied with him last year, and I met him at Best Buy. I was just shopping around with a friend at Best Buy, and the friend I was shopping with, he had already known this guy. Hadn't seen him in several years, but my friend introduced me to him and said, Hi, this is Alex. He, he, uh, he's been in the area for a few months. He's studying the Bible with people, wants to start a church plant. Aaron goes, that's great. I'd love to study the Bible with you. <laughs> and so I was like, okay. So we studied the Bible for, for several weeks, for several months, actually. And last November, Aaron was baptized for the remission of his sins to be clothed with Christ. Aaron's a funny guy. Uh, the first time he came to church, we're called the Lake Phelan Church of Christ, the first time he came, he uh, took the Lord's Supper with us, and he, he's not used to, to going to church and to participating in the Lord's Supper and things like that. And so we're sharing the Lord's Supper, and I make the communion bread fresh every week from scratch, unleavened bread. Thank you, thank you. And so <laughs> we were eating the bread, and there was just this perfect moment of silence and we hear Aaron just exclaim, this is the best church bread I've ever had. <laughs> Great. It's got the little marks and it's perfect. And it was an interesting, my wife said that she observed an interesting clash of church cultures going on at that moment. There were those there who were already a part of another church of Christ. They were just there to kind of encourage us, help us get the ball rolling. And then there were those there that we had been studying with and they weren't used to taking the Lord's Supper. And she saw that the Church of Christ people who were helping us out, they were somewhat shocked and awed. I can't believe he said that. And the people who we'd been studying with were like, it's pretty good. It's good bread. <laughs> so it was an interesting clash of church cultures. In all seriousness, if you can remember to pray for Aaron, he's uh, struggling right now in his faith. So we're trying to reach out to him and help him along. But if you could remember to pray for Aaron, I think that would make a big difference. This is a guy I've been studying with. Uh, I didn't convert him, but he was converted recently. And uh, right now he, he doesn't go to church anywhere. And he just hasn't seen the, the purpose and the, the need to be a part of the church body. But he's open to studying the Bible. And so... I try to get together with him once a week, and we study the Bible. And we're just trying to, to help him grow, help him to mature. And that's part of the Great Commission. I mean, we go out, and we make disciples, and we baptize them, but then we've got to keep teaching.
teaching them along the way and help them to grow because there's still a lot of a lot of work, a lot of growth that needs to take place after baptism. So I really like Stephen. We get along well, and I think he's got a, a good heart, and he wants to learn. And I hope that we continue to study in the future and that he, he starts to plug himself into the church body. seems to be a common problem I run into. Um, people maybe my age or younger, they, they seem to not see the importance of being with the church body. And some of that's because of a bad experience, and some of it's just because... They haven't been taught why that's important, why you've got to be connected to the body, why we come together, not because of how well our personalities mash. Uh, we have lots of personality conflicts, don't we? But we come together because we're one in Christ Jesus, and we want to worship Jesus. We want to gather as his body, his people. This is a, a lady I've been studying with for well over a year now. Her name is Lee Jay. And she's been, uh, she, has, she has an incredible story. Uh, I won't tell you all of it, but I mean, she does have, again, kind of a traumatic background. We run into that a lot. A lot of the people who want to study the Word are seeking because they have some sort of hurt in their life. They have, uh, what's CR say? Hurts, hang-ups, habits. Yeah, those, those are also called truth-seekers. And the gospel is good for those people because it can provide healing. It can give them wholeness in Christ. It can put them on a path of, of healing and spiritual growth. And so Lee Jay's been on that path. And she studied with us a lot. And the way we met her was through meetup.com. I think you guys have heard about meetup.com. Uh, the Vicks in Scotland use that. And we use it as well. You just go and you create an interest group. There are thousands of them in the Twin Cities. Create an interest group and then... People find the interest group, they become members of that interest group, and then they go to the meetings. And so I set up a St. Paul Coffee Shop Bible Study group. And right now we, uh, we've grown to about 55 members in that group, people who see when we're going to meet and have opportunities to study with us on a regular basis. So that's how we met Lee Jay. And if you'll keep her in your prayers, right before we left to come here on furlough, she had called me and uh, said that, She's been doing a lot more praying, a lot more thinking about it, and she wants to study about baptism one more time, just so she really understands those verses, but she wants to be baptized. So, keep an eye out on the newsletter. Maybe she'll be baptized soon. But Lee J again, is a good heart, and she's seeking, and that's what we're looking for, is truth seekers. We want to use whatever net we can to find those truth seekers. That's all meetup.com is. It's just a net that we throw out there to see who we can find. This is a picture of one of our coffee shop Bible studies, and this is basically what it looks like. You just go to the coffee shop. Once you've announced it, they get an email. You open your Bible, you sit at a table, you grab some tea or some coffee, and then people show up. And they look for you, and it's usually about three, four, five of us, and you sit around, and, and I'd lead them through a Bible study. And so one of the Bible studies that I try to lead almost everyone through, just to start things off, is a study through Psalm 119. I actually shared that with the S.H.I.E.L.D. class this morning, so if you want to know how to do that, find one of the S.H.I.E.L.D. members, and they'll show you how, and they'll study with you. But I like studying through Psalm 119 because it's all about God and His Word. And when we have these meetups, we got people coming from all different kinds of backgrounds. I mean, there's... Catholic, Lutheran, all kinds of denominations, uh, people from 
who are just skeptic, they come as well. And so how do you find a common ground with all of these people? I think the common ground we've got to start with is God's word. We can start with God's word. And if you love God's word and I love God's word, and that's, that's what we agree that is truth, then we can crack it open and study about anything. Maybe you'll change my mind on some things. Maybe I'll change yours. That's the goal. It's just to get the word out there. That's what Romans 10.17 says. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. This is a couple from the Egan congregation. Their names are Tony and Walter. And they met this young man named Brian. And Brian has pancreatic cancer. And he's not doing too well. He's, he's going through chemo and things are not looking uh, very good at all. But boy, does he have a great attitude. Man, does he love the word. He wants to just soak it in as much as he can. And so they've been studying with him and they invited me to, to study with them. And that's been a very rewarding study. I just really appreciate the fact that other brothers and sisters invited me along to, to study with someone that they were reaching out to. That's a great way to make disciples, to see which one of our brothers and sisters uh, has a close friend or family member or someone that they're reaching out to and get together with them and do it together. Do it as a team effort. So I appreciate that because in St. Paul, in Minneapolis, and that surrounding area, you're looking at over 3 million people. But you have less than 1,000 members of the Church of Christ. And so there's a lot of work to be done. And when I see workers like that at other congregations in the area, that encourages me. Last summer, we had the Northside Youth Group come up and help us do some, some outreach events. We had them uh, hang some door flyers advertising our Bible studies. We had them go out and uh, talk to the homeless and give them uh, some supplies that they might need for uh, living and camping out under uh, streets and bridges. And I think, that, uh, I think that that was a great experience, not only for them, but also for me, just to see that the youth can do it. They can do it. They want to do it. And they did a great job. One of the things I think they learned is that if they can approach a homeless person, someone who maybe doesn't have a, their thoughts clearly about them, someone who's kind of scary they can do that, then how much more can they approach a friend or a neighbor or a relative or a classmate? So I appreciated the time that they got to spend with us, and I hope they get to do it again in the future. This is another picture of them uh, sitting on a giant lawn chair. That was by our old rental house. So the Lake Phelan Church of Christ is a congregation we planted last November. We started out, and it was Aaron and I... Um, Zane and a bunch of people we were studying with, and then a couple of families from the Woodbury congregation that came out to support us. It was important for us to launch a congregation in St. Paul City Limits because there is no congregation in St. Paul City Limits. They're all in the suburbs. They're all on the outskirts. And so we are in the northeast part of St. Paul, and right now we just meet out of our home. And so it's interesting being a home church. You definitely have to uh, clean a lot more. <laughs> so... We're constantly doing chores Saturday evening. But I think it's a good environment to get people started off in. It's, it seems like a very uh, good environment for really becoming closer and 
just deepening our relationships, a comfortable environment. And so there are advantages and disadvantages, but we're learning all about that as we try our best to grow this new church in St. Paul. So this is a picture of us meeting in our living room. And this is some of the, uh, some of the children that come to our church. And this is me preaching on the couch. Sometimes I wear a college shirt, sometimes I don't. Nobody stones me over it, so it's okay. No big deal. Sometimes we meet outside. It's wonderful. We get to sit under a tree in my backyard and just have the entire Sunday service in our backyard. If you were to come visit us for service, here's what you could expect. We would start out with a fellowship meal at noon. That's when we start. We like to sleep in. We're the sleep-in Church of Christ. So we start at noon with a fellowship meal. And then we take a little coffee break. I don't want people to sleep during my sermon, so I give them as much coffee as they'll take. And then we come together and we share the Lord's Supper. We share some thoughts over that. And then we sing some songs. Uh, We don't have uh, songbooks like you guys have. We just have a a little binder full of about 20 or 30 songs because brand new Christians... um, get very overwhelmed trying to learn 900 new songs. So I just give them a couple. And songs that are specifically chosen that correspond with our values as a congregation. We have four core values. We value the word, the lost, uh, the family. That is, we believe a strong church family is made up of strong family units. And then the walk, the idea that this is a spiritual journey we're on together. And then after we sing, we Uh, I give a lesson from the Word, and after the lesson, we do what's probably grown to be my favorite part of worship. We split up into guys and and girls, and the guys go up to the attic, and the girls stay in the living room, and we have some prayer time, some prayer time in which the guys can bond, in which the girls can bond, and that's become one of my favorite parts, if not my favorite part, of getting together as the church on Sunday. This is Aaron doing some Bible study with uh, the ladies. Uh, One of the ladies there is... uh, uh, Tina, she's from the Egan congregation. And then there's Jenny. She's a visitor that Zane has been bringing, one of her friends. Zane is very evangelistic. But here are some challenges and some lessons that I want to share with you. First, a big challenge for me is understanding that I need to be patient and that things don't go according to my timeline. I always wish that I'd have more studies, that I'd have more converts, that our congregation would grow faster. But a lot of that is out of my control, and so I have to be patient. I have to learn that when I have victories, when I have successes, it is because of the divine providence of God. So I must be patient. It's a hard work. I won't lie. It's it's got lots of challenges. And uh, there are times of discouragement, but then there are also times of great encouragement. So I need to be patient. I need to wait on God's timing. Also, the, com- the combination of knowledge and love has been a, a huge lesson for me. I learned knowledge at sunset. learned a lot of knowledge. On the mission field, I learned how to combine knowledge with love. With knowledge, you will win a debate. You'll defeat an argument. You'll expose error. But with knowledge and love, you'll persuade them. You'll want to win them over. You'll want to lay the words of God gently on their heart. Knowledge and love is very important. 
And that's what I've learned. Because knowledge without love is like a noisy, clanging symbol. That's what Paul tells us in Corinthians, doesn't he? Another challenge and lesson that I've learned is that some people will walk away. They'll walk away. Here's the, the doctrinal side of it, right? In the Gospel of John, we know that it says that a lot of people left Jesus. They stopped walking with him because they simply loved darkness more than they loved light. That's a hard concept for us because we, we love light. We're light lovers. We don't know what it means to, to love darkness more than light because we don't love darkness more than light. Some people left Jesus uh, because the word had no place in them. They just didn't make any room for God's word in their hearts. Some people left Jesus because they, uh, they desired the praise of man more than the praise of God. So how faith in God would change your appearance or societal status or your reputation, that greatly affects a large amount of people. Some people walk away. Share one story with you. There was a guy I studied with named Jaron, and I studied with him for two or three months. And we had sometimes multiple studies a week. They were great studies. We would discuss back and forth the different things regarding uh, the Bible's reliability, how to how to uh, look at different sciences and what the Bible says, different things that he was really had great questions about. He in all appearances, seemed like a truth seeker. And when I first met him, he was such an interesting guy because he told me right off the bat, I've been debating between Buddhism and Christianity for several years now, and I'm wanting to make a choice. I said, wow, okay, that's, a, that's quite a choice you're trying to make there. Well, let's study the Bible. I'll tell you, you know, what I can. You can ask me any question you want. And one of the last studies we had, he said, you know, I'm thinking maybe I won't do Buddhism. Maybe I'll pursue Christianity. And uh, he shared with me that the reason he wanted to find religion or find a worldview that he agreed with was because he's, for a long time, suffered with anxiety and depression. And he thought if he could find the right spiritual path, it would heal that. He was somewhat right. I think Christianity would help him in that. But unfortunately, he chose Buddhism. And he walked away. And he decided that would be the path that would bring him healing. It's not going to. And I hope that he sees that. I hope he reaches back out and that we can pick back up where we left off. But sometimes people walk away. It's sad, but it also it makes you appreciate the heart of God. Because I don't love Jaron as much as God loves Jaron. And I don't know about, um, as much about Jaron as much as God knows about Jaron. And so if, if it breaks my heart to have Jaron walk away after growing to, to know him just a little bit, how much does it break God's heart to have Jaron walk away? How much does it break God's heart to have so many people who don't know him, who don't want to know him perhaps, who are in darkness, who have no one to show them the truth? Well, I can appreciate that aspect of the work I'm doing because I believe it allows me to understand more about God's heart and make that what my heart is about as well. To give you some idea of what we have planned in the future, we're still in the beginning stages of our work, very small congregation, just a couple of us, a uh, small group meeting each week. 
But some big plans coming up are, first of all, my wife Erin, in just a few more weeks, will be giving birth to our first child, baby boy. And so we're excited about that. We're excited to learn and grow together in that life-changing process. Also, in the future, we plan on having a team from Sunset International Bible Institute come up through the AIM program. AIM stands for Adventures and Missions. If you're in the youth group, you might look into this. Basically, kids who graduate high school, before going to college, they go to the Adventures and Missions program. They go through one year of training and Bible knowledge and mission training. And then they are put on a team with fellow classmates that are sent all around the world to be missionary interns. And several teams each year are sent to places in the United States. They send a team to Miami. They send a team to Salt Lake City, Utah. And maybe next year, we'll be able to get a team to come up to St. Paul, Minnesota. We'll put them to work, and I think that would be a great help for us. Also, in the fall, we are having a workshop for our congregation. One of my teachers and an elder at the Sunset Congregation, Dr. Gary Walker, he's volunteered to come up, stay with us, and host a weekend workshop talking about Christian counseling and also about family and how to be and raise a a Christian and godly family. So I think those are going to be much-needed topics, and that's going to help us a lot. A final thought I'd want to leave you with is in Acts chapter 8. If you will, turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 8. In Acts chapter 8, it's a familiar story, but I just want to leave you with this thought because it's been on my heart for several weeks now. And this is the story of Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. Starting in verse 25, it says, When they had solemnly testified and spoken the word of the Lord, they started back to Jerusalem and were preaching the gospel to many villages of the Samaritans. But an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Get up and go south to the road that descends from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert road. So he got up and went, and there was an Ethiopian eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure, and he had come to Jerusalem to worship. And he was returning and sitting in his chariot and was reading the prophet Isaiah. Then the spirit said to Philip, Go up and join this chariot. Philip ran up and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and said, Do you understand what you are reading? And he said, Well, how how could I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of scripture which he was reading was this. He was led as a sheep to slaughter and as a lamb before its shearers are silent, so he does not open his mouth. In humiliation his judgment was taken away. Who will relate his generation? For his life is removed from the earth. The eunuch answered Philip and said, Please tell me, of whom does the prophet say this, of himself or someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning from this scripture, he preached Jesus to him. As they went along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, water! What prevents me from being baptized? Philip said, If you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he ordered the chariot to stop. And they both went down into the water, Philip as well as the eunuch, and he baptized him. This is an incredible story, because some points in here, I'm going to hang on. I'm going to hang on to some points in here. First, is that 
God will lead you to the truth seeker. God will lead you to the truth seeker. He tells Philip to go from Jerusalem to Gaza, which it says is a desert road. Literally in the Greek it means it's a deserted road. No one's on it. No one goes down it. And there are two things you would not expect to see on the road from Jerusalem to Gaza. One would be another person. Two would be water. And yet, God says go, Philip goes, and what's he find? He finds another person, not just any person, a truth seeker. God brings him to the truth seeker, and all he does is he asks him, does he understand what he's reading? The, Philip, uh, the eunuch said to Philip, how can I unless somebody guides me? How can I unless someone guides me? We don't have to go out and uh, indoctrinate people. We don't have to make them understand every single verse that we understand. We just have to go out and guide them. They want to know the truth. They just need a little help being guided to the right passages of Scripture. They're, they're ready to do what God wants them to do. So God will lead us to the truth seekers. The truth seekers, they just need you to be a guide. And if you will do that, then souls will be saved. This is how God saves souls on planet Earth today. He uses you and me, and it's plan A. And that's the only way people are going to be saved until Jesus comes back. And these things are going to hold true. God will send the truth seeker to you or send you to the truth seeker. They just need a guide, and souls will be saved, and you'll be used to save a soul if, 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 if we are seeking the truth seeker. If you're not seeking the truth seeker, then none of these things will happen. You just won't see it. I want us to hold on to that, because I know sometimes we say God has, has a wonderful plan for your life. Sometimes that means different things. But I want to leave you with something that you don't have to guess at. God has a wonderful plan for you to save souls. If you could pray for us for anything, I'd want you to pray for these kinds of things. That God would lead us to the truth seekers as we read in Acts. That doors would be opened for the word as Paul requests in Colossians 4. That we will speak forth boldly as Paul requests in Ephesians 6. That God would send more harvesters like Jesus requests in Luke 10. And that God would give us strength in our inner being through the Holy Spirit, like Paul prays for in Ephesians 3. You may be here today, and you're a truth seeker. Or perhaps the Spirit has really laid this message on your heart, and you want to recommit yourself to the Lord. If you have any need at all, then please come forward as we stand and sing.